This is Greg Roth, Seattle Music Insider, and you are listening to NWCZ Radio. Oh, 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 oh. You're surfing through another dimension. A dimension of podcasts and real-time streaming. Of content both live and, quote-unquote, on tape. It covers Washington, Oregon, B.C., and even Idaho. Existing between the summit of man's technology and the depths of his cave. There's the web banner up ahead. Your next stop, the Northwest Convergence Zone. Hey, welcome back to the Northwest Convergence Zone. That was the classic Rally Go Mass Brew Action uh, that uh, our friend John Keister in Segment 1 was talking about. And uh, we're going to move on into Segment 2 of our little chat here at the Man Cave in the dark heart of the Proctor District (laughs) with John Keister. And you know what? I know a lot of folks out there, they see things happen in the Northwest. They think about it, and sometimes they think, what would John Keister think right now? And th- in this part, we're going to be talking <laughs> a lot more with him about the almost live years. Yeah. Instead of what would Jesus do? Sure. What, what would John what do? Would Keister? <laughs> and you know what? But the funny thing is, you know, a lot of that wasn't actually, you know, Keister. He has fantastic writers. Amazing writers. But Brad Upton, who was on here, uh, yeah. was one of his writers. Uh, he's amazing talent that rolled through that show. So here he is, part two with John Keister. You know. So you come, so you come back to Seattle, and did you immediately uh, strike a deal or to, no, to reinvent and, and, no, almost no, no, live? No, I didn't. Uh, came back, and the show just about went under, and I felt it was the worst year of my life. Okay, mm. it was the absolute worst year of my life because uh, you know had twins, which you're up 24 hours a day, you get no sleep. Uh, <laughs> I thought that I could just sort of step into Ross's shoes and wear a suit and interview guests. And because and, <laughs> and, and, I'd interviewed people before for the right. and I thought I was a good interviewer. Mm-hmm. And it's a completely different thing on television. Uh, I was doing terrible. The ratings were plummeting. And it looked like the show was going to get canceled. And I thought, great, I gave up going to L.A. so I could come here and drive the show into the ground. That's, that's <laughs> sort of what I, I thought. Great. Good, good call, John. Really good. And then the show was, in fact, canceled. A lot of people don't really understand this. But the, the, you know, people say, oh, it changed format. That's not technically what happened is that uh, the 6 o'clock on Sunday interview uh, uh, version of the show was canceled, but then they gave us this opportunity to to try this different format at night uh, and push back Saturday Night Live is during the summer. And the reason they did that was because everybody in the building, all the people who were secretaries, people who worked in the kitchen, everybody in the building at King, and I never knew that we were doing this, but we were always the carpenters, whatnot. That we were putting them all on TV in these little roles. They would play these little cameo roles. <laughs> right. You know, all the secretaries, the carpenters, the people in the kitchen, and they'd all come home, and they were so thrilled that they were on TV, and we never understood that we were doing this, 
But uh, they all came up to the program director and said, you know, it'd be a real shame if, if that show went away. <laughs> and everybody in the building said it'd be a real shame to see that show go. <laughs> and he actually was afraid to, to – I mean, he thought, well, we'll try this. We'll have and, a revolt. Yeah, and when we tried it, it worked. And suddenly the show was doing really well, mm-hmm. and NBC said, well, we'll give you six weeks to try this out. And after six weeks is when the television, the big co- TV convention – Happened and we won the award for best local show in America. And so NBC sent a telegram because that's what you did in those days before the (laughs) internet said, Looks like you guys made the right decision. So keep the show on there. And in fact, we actually helped SNL. That was when they were starting to go into that kind of tumble. Oh, yeah, they were were tanking. They were bad. And and they were doing better numbers in Seattle because we were there to help them, to bring an audience to them. You were before them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Only only place in in America that exactly pushed it back to you know to midnight and people at first were like what we gotta wait and then it, <laughs> then that then it got quiet that oh, yeah. that complaint stopped and then after a while they were like thank God you guys are here you know? <laughs> and so then it became people would watch us and then <clears throat> SNL up to Weekend Update and that'd be and this that'd hour be long yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was, was it thing. unless he, there was a cool like musical guest you might right you might go hang it. out and back and then might come back in that. when they played and that's essentially the story and yeah. and we started pulling down ratings like we were the number one we were the number one show in Seattle well we no were all glued to it it was. Yeah. It was the best thing that happened during the week was uh, no matter what was going on in your life, no matter uh, what kind of week you had, uh, you could always tune in to Almost Live and just we were laughing at ourselves because uh, Seattle was, uh, you know, we were still an anomaly to the rest of the country. Right. We had a there's a uniqueness. I don't know if there is so much anymore, but at the time there was this uniqueness about the different, you know, Ballard and Wallingford yeah. and West yeah. Seattle and, and, you know, all Renton. Renton and Canton, all these. And you guys <laughs> were not afraid to point those out. And I was I wonder, do you think that was uh, did you guys ever sit down and say, we might be polarizing some people. This is a real risk. Let's just kind of put it out there. Or did you no. guys just say, let's just make fun of everybody? Yeah, and that's the thing. We made fun of everybody. And uh, the um, uh, the thing was that you know, you'd know you run into people like, oh, I don't want to talk to you because I'm from Mercer Island or I go to WSU or I go, you know, whatever. <laughs> and it would be like, did everybody say we, we, we made fun of everybody? But no. Um, we didn't think we were, no, we, we didn't. It's just, uh, the, you know, the stuff that we made fun of. It's um, funny. Yeah. And then some of the, uh, you know, the legendary skits of the high five and white guys, mm-hmm. you had, uh, Billy Kwan. Yeah, well, yeah, right? Billy Kwan. Gene texted me and said, telling me taught me how to be like Billy. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, the, one of my, one of my favorite skits of all time was, were the reporters, you know, the reporters that. Got pack, fired and pack then it, of reporters. Yeah, a pack, pack of, of reporters. reporters. You know, it was just you guys had so many memorable moment, moments. Yeah, and I, I kind of think that we had we. Uh, uh, it was the pre South Park days of Comedy Central. I think if if we had had the exposure, I think the high five and white guys and Billy Kwan could have been Speedwalker. Yeah, they, I think they could have been really huge uh, hits, uh, and and they they were uh, locally. Uh, and with particularly with Billy Kwan, we were the first people to do that 
type of comp- to do that parody of martial arts. Now, <laughs> when you look at it, I mean, ev- everybody, everybody does that. Yeah, every, every, that's like a state. Well, yeah, because if you watch Adult Swim, you know, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I, you know, but we we were that we were the very first. Absolutely, that. And, the, and and it was you know we were a so proud that it was a Seattle show, and it, it also we couldn't wait every week to see what you were going to blow our minds with. I mean, the middle management suck ups, mm-hmm. the uh, the unemployed lawyers. Who are you know harassing right, people right, on yeah. Pack Ave? Or maybe they'll mention Tacoma this week. Yeah, we were, everybody's we're, waiting to we're see gonna play who are they going to pick on this week. Is going to be us because the then, then we know. would like wear it like a badge. Oh yeah, almost live talked about uh, <laughs> yeah. Tacoma. We didn't make that many Tacoma jokes because those were with the jokes that everybody always used to make. <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm serious about this. It was just uh, you know uh, we moved it to uh, to Kent. You know we moved right. it to. But that was because uh, no one had made those. I mean, it's like uh, that's an area that, uh, you know, there's all these areas around Seattle that people fled Seattle from. And it Mm -hmm. had to do with, you know, their economic status. You know, uh, they were basically fleeing the Seattle public school. uh, Oh, yeah. They were heading out. And so if you were wealthy, you went to Mercer Island. You had this first-rate school district. And if you weren't, you ended up in play. If you were middle class or whatever, you'd end up in Shoreline. But if you didn't have money, you ended up in Kent. Where (laughs) It's um, true. It's true. It's uh, very yeah. true. And uh, yes, it is. And it's very, it's very sad that people yeah. uh, felt that they needed to flee the uh, school district. But you ended up with a certain culture in Kent that uh, – and Bob Nelson, who was our, probably our, you know, I think our best writer, he was, he was from that situation. He hmm. was from uh, uh, you know, a, a poor – I'll just say it. He was from a poor family okay. that lived in Kent. And he had a lot of issues with that place. And so he wrote some very – but Bob's not a – he's not a mean per- – he doesn't have a mean bone in his body. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's one of the top screenwriters in, in Hollywood now. And mm-hmm. he's doing very well and he's very smart. But he, he had some really good observations about just that culture, you know, and, and the stuff that he just wanted, you know, like right. I just you know, th- that kind of, you know, willful – like we're dumb and we don't care, you know that kind of <laughs> yeah. just reveling Trucker, in yeah, yeah, and like, the Transams on blocks. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know that kind of you know anti-intellectual revelry about damn we're good, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is us, and why do I have this accent when I'm not? In, you know, anyway. Right. So, so, so he wrote a bunch of that, a bunch of that stuff. You know, take us behind the scenes uh, to like. Your production meetings, you guys get together where you throw out these ideas. Yeah. Um, I mean, you had so many talented people through there who, yeah, the like way, you said, who have gone on to so many things. What was that like? Did you guys just throw out ideas and you got the thumbs up, thumbs down? And- yeah, we'd uh, start that. We'd go, what's going on this week? You know, what, you know, is there some event that we need to – and sometimes something would happen that we'd, of course, would have to do something on. Right. Uh, then we'd uh, sign up who was going to go out in the field. And then if you weren't out in the field, you were writing jokes. And we, we learned that uh, you couldn't reveal jokes until the day of the show because if you heard it on Monday, it wasn't funny on, on Saturday. Right. you know. And so uh, on Saturday morning, we'd, everybody would reveal the jokes that they'd written. And that, that was a very fun meeting because everybody would, you know, whatever their take was on, you know, the, the, what had happened that week. And that was really fun. And then we'd, 
we'd rehearse in studio and then we'd just bring the audience in and we did it as if it was a live show. We very rarely, just maybe a half a dozen times in 10 years, did we ever stop down. We just did it like it was a live show. Any memorable uh, characters that never we never got to see? Like, like even maybe even when it got into like development or whatever you guys really thought this was funny and then for some reason at the last minute said "Mm." uh this is there was one that we put a lot of work into which was mrs butterwitch and it was this haunted bottle of syrup (laughs) (laughs) that did evil things and it's just like you know we just looked at it in the end and just looked at it and just you know this sucks really bad this this sucks really hard you know this is terrible and we're not putting it on the air and that it just very rarely did that happen but yeah but that's one that comes to mind there's very rarely would we commit the resources or, or the time to something that just flat out would not just air. didn't happen. That was very rare. Yeah. There's one where uh, there was a, um, a uh, – when the bus tunnel was being built, Seattle was just getting completely torn up. And, they, and the city downtown association made a song called downtown is jumping to try to encourage people that you should come down and it was like downtown is jumping it's really jumping with blah, 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 dun, 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 dun. downtown is really jump- and we wrote one called downtown is failing it's really failing with prostitutes and destitutes downtown is really fa-. and so um and we hired a singer and we did all this and the word got to the to somebody in the ad department or the program director and they said you know we can't. You can't run that because um, it's going to make uh, the downtown business association very Pissed off. Yeah, and so, <laughs> so when yeah, there'd be things. The only things we couldn't really do was stuff that would piss off advertisers. And, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, so, which still holds true pretty much. Pretty everywhere. much, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the way it pretty goes. Much. Pretty much. Ever get calls from uh, city council members, mayor, uh, anybody who are like, "Hey, take it easy on us." Not so, no. not so much. No. no, no. What about the April Fool's joke when the uh, space needle supposedly fell down? How'd that go over? Well, you know, it's funny <laughs> because that. Uh, had April you guys, 1st. you guys remember that? Um, <laughs> it taught me a lot of the. the uh, uh, it it was an amazing thing that we decided we had. We just happened to have a live show that was on April first, and so I said, well, let's do a, an April Fool's Day prank, and we did it on the air, and and it was in the early days of computer animation, and so we made it. You know, we it was a <laughs> thing called a paint box. That was the name of the of the machine. And it was, you know, nowadays it would look very crude, but at the time it looked oh, fairly realistic. Yeah. And uh, and people, you know, and it said April Fools on it because the program director said we had to do that. And Myra was, well, why even do it if we have to put that, you know? And so, no, no, you got to do that. And so we did. And uh, but it still it created this uh, uh, furor, this panic in Seattle, so much so that it shut down the nine one one. Uh, line that everybody called in and it shut it down so that people who were having a real emergency almost lives own war of the world well yeah even though though it it said april fools on it even though yes and people from eastern washington yeah but grandma and grandpa who have to be tuning in they're not reading the flashing thing they don't know what's going on no and uh charlie the needle just fell yeah it was like that and not only that uh medical personnel from uh eastern washington drove over to help out (laughs) Um, so a lot of really pissed off people and uh 
But by the time, and the Space Needle was furious, but by the time that we aired again, as, as a week went by, it, it became news all over the world. Oh, it was huge, yeah. And so the Space Needle suddenly had gotten all this publicity, and they weren't, they weren't as mad. The next time we were on the air... Not quite as mad. They weren't mad. Everybody was just like, wow, look what... you know, And all the other news stations and our news department was pissed off and everything. And so the, so this, the episode aired on uh, a Saturday, obviously. At what, at what point... Uh, was it you know Sunday morning? Was it by Monday? At what point did you realize this has gotten out of control? Well, it, it had right away. It was the, immediate. Okay, the weird thing was that I had to go. For, I was hosting the the Seattle International Comedy Competition, like the laugh. Mm-hmm. I was the host, and so as soon as the show was over, I got right into a cab and went to the Paramount. So I didn't know what was going on, but the rest of the cast was left. To deal with it, I didn't know. It was, it, it was before God. it was before the days of cell phones. Right, I, sure. I didn't have a cell phone, so no. nobody could call me. So I, it wasn't until I got home that it was like, "What happened?" I was like, "What?" And I had all these messages, on, and I was like, "What?" And then you know, the Seattle Times the next day, and and all this, and I was like, "Oh my God!" You know, and I went in. But the, you know, the the thing is that. Uh, I got in so much trouble that I kind of your brain sort of does this thing where it doesn't let you think about it, you know. And mm-hmm. and King never aired it after that. And and um, you know you start you get older and you start second guessing yourself and you start you know like well I shouldn't do this I shouldn't do that and you get more conservative. And uh, I was talking to a group of uh, uh, high school kids this last April, just April first. Right. I just happened to be there uh, speaking and. Uh, I started telling them about that, and, and I realized something that it was like, wait a minute, you know, I'm this old guy now who, like, is really cautious, and I'm really kind of, you know, get scared of a lot of stuff, and I, and I'm, you know, I'm just really reticent to do stuff. But there was one time when I was strong enough that I could push over the space. <laughs> <laughs> Damn the ramifications! Yeah, screw <laughs> yeah. that, man. Yeah. Well, we're 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 getting down to the end of uh, our time with you, but just okay. a, maybe a couple of more questions. Sure, um, go ahead. Do you think? Um, well, of all the people that you've had roll through almost live, amazing talents. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Mikhail, and you had, of course, Pat Cashman yeah. and Nancy Guppy, and all of those. Um, can you give us kind of a rundown just briefly of, you know, cause some of them, we don't know where they went, like Staten and all those guys. Uh, what, 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 what are the people doing now? Uh, well, Bob, like I said, is a screenwriter. He's, uh, worked for, he's had meetings with Steven Spielberg. He's worked, you know, I mean, he's just, did he invite you do all these great, no, <laughs> he'd come speak to my script writing class. Staten does uh, corporate, uh, speaking in which he has this, uh, this, Surpri- I, at first, I was skeptical, but he's got this surprisingly uh, effective thing about if you look at the Beatles, how the Beatles ran their organization, mm. that if you if you run your business the way the Beatles, and I was like, oh, I was kind of skeptical, but I saw <laughs> I saw him do the presentation once, and it's very very good, and he goes all around the country and all around the world presenting that thing. He's a huge Beatles fan. And he came up with this corporate strategy. Ross is doing you know, is is a corporate speaker. Uh, Tracy speaks about heart issues and, mm-hmm. and and supports the defibrillator. You know, have a have a defibrillator in every every business. Nancy's got her uh, show on uh, uh, Seattle Channel. Uh, yeah, Joel McHale's a big star. Yeah, that is to me. That's 
I mean, he does great job, but if I were to, you know, lay cash down at the time, it, I would have never put it on Joel. Well, at first I thought, you know, well, Ross is going to be the biggest star that ever came That's out. That's what look, everybody look, thought. Look at this. Then it's going to be, you know, what do you know? Bill Nye is the biggest star that's ever going to be, you know, and then, it, you know, then I thought maybe me, I, you know, at a certain point, John I Keister, yeah. And then, no, it was the intern from Mercer Island. <laughs> it was the, it was the, 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 the you the, launched the a in, mega star, right? The intern from Mercer Island, you know, and, and, and so, and then, you know, and then Bob uh, actually, you don't see his name, but you're going to, his movies are about to come out, you know, mm-hmm. in another year or so. And, 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 uh, in, within the business, he's very well known. So, right. Something like that. Um, do you think, because uh, I kind of alluded to it earlier, Seattle has changed a lot since those days. Yeah. Um, if you go from West Seattle to Ballard, you go over to Magnolia, you go to Fremont, it's almost the same place. Yeah, it, it, it seems is, we lost it is a little, pretty much. Yeah. Even the north, and a lot of places, even in the Northwest, we've lost some of that. Those the identity we had back then of being kind of you know quirky. You know, Capitol Hill was yeah. definitely in its zone of its own. Yeah, um, but it seems like everything's sort of just leveled out and become this that's, corporate mirror of each other. That's correct. Yes. They, Do you think almost live could? Be on air right now? Is there enough? Do you think there's enough material? Well, first of all, it is. Well, it, it, it is in reruns. It, it, absolutely. Night, yeah. 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 No, we, I, I DVR it every weekend. But in just in, a, you know, in a, as a fresh running show. <clears throat> no, it could not. It, and, and it, the city's different, but I mean, it's the television business is completely different than mm-hmm. it was in, in those days. And they could, they, they would never, they, they would never hire people and pay and give benefits to people locally to do, to do a show like that. And I'm, I'm frankly amazed that evening is still on um, the air, yeah. but no, they, there, there were laws in place that limited how many TV stations anybody could own at that time. It was yep. four. Now you can own thousands. Yeah. And, and, and so they're owned by just a few major corporations and, and all of them run the same, the same stuff. And, and there's no local shows like that. And I'm, and I'm, I think I'm even more talking on the content level. Like, is there enough around here going on to sustain a show? You, as long as you have good writers, you can always you do can it. always do it. You yeah. can always do a show because uh, you know the mayor, the mayor of Seattle with his bike buddies and all yeah. that stuff, and a lot of material. Yeah, there's there's tons um, of material. And I often Kent, Kent is still Kent. Kent's still rolling. And Renton is. But you know, and this is how this is how solidified almost live has become in my life. Uh, when something crazy happens, I still to this day wonder. Wonder how almost live would have tackled that. Are you oh, kidding me? <laughs> no, I say you that know? all the time. Sure. You know, like oh, the Enum cloth thing. Oh sure. I mean, I, I was like, like we could have had a whole new character. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> when that went on, I was just oh god. Oh, yeah, are you god. ever just like oh man? Oh, yeah, the, all the time. Sure. With this, this ton- is just too good. Tunnel stuff and sure the Enum cloth stuff, all, yeah. the, all that stuff. Sure. How about a DVD set? Uh, we talked to Cashman about it, and he said. Um, that uh, they're there. It's just, uh, I think his take was there was some issues with the music rights or something. What's the status on no, a possible DVD set of Almost no, Live? No, no, They just, they've got a website that they post, you know, they, they post all our stuff. They're not doing, they're not doing a DVD. And who, who owns it? King. King owns it and they don't want to put it out. No. It would make them so much money. They don't care. It's insane. It's not. It's not what they do. That isn't what they do. It's just not the business they're in, and they don't care. That is uh, maybe PBS can buy it, and you can do a big marathon. Yeah. Oh my god. 
<laughs> I can see Keister in there. Call in now with your thousand dollar <laughs> pledge, and we're going to send you every episode. Yeah. There you go. That would be awesome. We'll get on that. We'll be. We'll be the. Uh, we'll, we're going to we'll make let, the call. We'll let you know, John. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Thank you. So you don't think it's ever really? I mean, we have to watch. I mean, there's no. a lot on I mean, YouTube. I get asked all the time. I know you do. No, no, man, no. that is a shame. All, right. it's all over. Pretty much every sketch you want is on the internet. You can right, see but there's movie. something yeah. about watching the opening okay. sequence. I don't know how many times. <laughs> you know, I, it's not going to happen. Speaking of the opening <laughs> sequences, you had some. There were some classic ones. You know, uh, there was, and I have my favorite but uh you you guys did several openings because you had several seasons which one was your favorite oh by far the one that was filmed at the weathered wall where yes. the camera you know is on follows people 99 then mm-hmm. yeah yeah i thought that you know and then it ends up with me stage diving that keister was, keister yeah, keister, right. keister no that one i think was uh, that by, was your favorite absolutely by, uh, by far the best I love that one too. I also loved the one where you had all of the uh, sort of quirkiness of Seattle, where you had the uh, remember the the crazy divers who used to be down on uh, yeah. Alki. That was a very and, good one too. Yeah, yeah, that was great because it, it it really sort of solidified. Hey, we are we are Northwest. But the one that you the, and my second would be that one at the weathered wall because you're coming down the uh, viaduct yeah. to start it off and. Yeah, the weathered wall. That was another great place that's right. like gone away. Mm-hmm. So, John, tell everybody really quickly what you're doing now. Well, I uh, work at the Art Institute as I teach script, uh, script writing, and then I write scripts for a show that's on PBS called Biz Kids, which is on all over the country. Yes, 300 plus markets, and it teaches kids. It's same producers as the Bill Nye, the Science Guy uh, uh, show, but instead of science, we're teaching financial literacy and you know i'm at clubs here and there and in uh uh october i'm gonna be in yakima hosting i've got this great gig it's a all the uh humane society uh uh uh, people from all over the state of washington are coming and the co-host betty white Wow. I know i'm really looking forward wow that'll be great yeah that'll be something special um you know i can't thank you enough for coming in uh, you and all in all of our minds and in all of our listeners and i know just throughout the northwest you've reached legendary status uh when it, when the hall of fame is is put up you're going to be in it uh along with the cast of almost live there's no doubt about it all right uh john keister has been our guest today we want to thank you so much john and we're all still pulling for a reunion okay thank you very much <laughs> All right, we really want to thank uh, John for stopping in right here in thank the Northwest Convergence Zone in the studio, which was a real thrill and uh, a pleasure for us. And so off we go into our year number three, starting off with a great guest. John, I hope you guys all enjoyed that. A lot of information in there. Uh, that I've, I've done lots of research on interviews with Keister, and I think he gave us a lot of stuff that I, I have not seen uh, other places. So, yeah. And Voxy, you've never even seen the Almost Live or Keister, have you? <laughs> no, I'm not from so here. So I should have had you do the interview. You would have been not nervous at all. You're, so who this, are you exactly this guy? again? Is that your uh, real real name, Keister? That, did, did you I was very tempted. <laughs> I was very tempted to comment on the Keister, but I, I knew you wanted us to you know, be very respectful and professional and stuff. So I kind of laid it down a little bit on the crew today. I was like, listen, damn it, John Keister's coming no, in here. No fucking around. Everybody be cool. <laughs> no yeah. swearing. We got Pink a slips next week. If, yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, speaking of uh, good guests, great guests, and so forth, our next guest is uh, no exception, Seattle 
MusicInsider.com, which is a, a force uh, to be reckoned with up in Seattle. As far as bringing you information, there's SMI Radio, SMI TV, SMI Blog. Uh, the man behind it all, his name is Greg Roth, and he is a one-man dynamo machine. Yeah. And uh, he stopped in. We had a little conversation with him. And in this conversation, uh, pay attention because... Uh, there's a talk of a little collaboration. All right, hey everybody. Our next guest on the big program today is Greg Roth. And you might not recognize the name, although you might. He's a prominent uh, cat around Seattle in the Seattle music scene. And he runs the Seattle Music Insider blog and website. And you can go to that at seattlemusicinsider.com. We'll have it linked off of our uh, Facebook and web page and all that stuff. So you have no problem checking it out. Uh, Greg Roth is uh, an amazing writer and an interviewer. He's got his uh, fingers in the pie, as they say, <laughs> all around the scene. Mm. Yeah, that's what she Kinky. said. <laughs> Greg, welcome to the program, man. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you in. And uh, we've been big fans of the Seattle Music Insider. I go there for a lot of our information because, you know, we're in the South Sound. Cool. And so we uh, um, we rely on other sources for the main part mm -hmm. to uh, what's going on in Seattle, who's hot, who's not. And uh, it's really cool to have you in and to uh, get your take on things that are going on. But first, let's go into your history. Sure. And uh, I know, are you actually from Seattle? No, I wasn't born. I was actually from Anderson, Indiana. There you uh, go. Uh, Heartland. Escaped when I was 11. Uh, moved, <laughs> <laughs> moved to... Uh, Johnny, moved, John, John Mellencamp drove you yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, a lot of cool uh, folks come from there. Michael <laughs> Jackson, David Letterman, Larry Bird. Isn't that wild? Yeah, Michael yeah. Jackson? Yeah. Came from the heartland. You would Indeed. think you would be from like L.A., New York. Gary Michael Indiana, Jackson. Though. Yeah, Michael Jackson yeah. and Larry uh, David Letterman. You know, yeah. there's two <laughs> two different spheres of whatever. <laughs> exactly. So, David Lee Roth actually was from Indiana. Yep. Nice. Yeah, a lot of people so, don't know that. A lot has, of talent a, there. He has We're a great autobiography, really, by the way. Yeah. I met I his it. mom, actually, when I lived in L.A., but that's a whole different thing. So, so yeah. from Indiana, you yes. escaped, escaped when you were eight. Where'd you go? Let we me. moved to L.A. Now, you want to talk about a culture shock going from Anderson, Indiana to Los Angeles. When I was 11 o'clock, <laughs> 11 years old. It, yeah. You arrived at I, 11 o'clock yeah, and you happen to be 11. Mm -hmm. I think I went to, uh, woke up today Answer to life is 42. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Something like that. But yeah, we, we moved to Los Angeles and then my, my family moved around a lot and then eventually uh, lived in Northern California as well and then eventually settled up here in 75. And went to Capitol High School in Olympia. Oh, there you go. And went to Western Washington University, went in the Army and then went all around uh, would come back here to visit, uh, ended up living in L.A. from 84 to uh, 98 and then moved back. And I've been back ever since. Wow. We were uh, actually down there for about a year at the same time. Where about you live? I was in Newhall. I lived in Culver City. Nice. Culver yeah. City, which is Box City. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I used to go to, you know, it's funny because yeah. they used to, uh, and I've told this before, I won't go into the long version, but they used, to, Thank you. they used to send buses <laughs> to uh, our campus and take us to Culver City really? to be extras on the weekend oh, yeah. while they filmed. Yeah, MGM was right there. Man. Yeah, it was awesome. Man. On yeah. porn sets. <laughs> it was really I, was, I was a fluffer. <laughs> that was really oh, weird. Yeah. <laughs> I, I digress here, but I, I was sitting home watching uh, uh, Wizard of Oz, you know, at home. And I'm looking out the window, and there's MGM. I go, oh, there's a lot. It was actually filmed at. It was kind of kind of a trip. So. That is a trip. And Culver City, you know, and yeah. and Hollywood for the people who haven't yeah. ever been there, is nothing like what you think. No, 
you know, no, it's no. actually pretty. Like I said, it's Box City. It's, it's a like factory this, it's town, a man. Bunch of buildings yeah. with like no distinction at all. Strip malls, uh, billboards, uh, and so did and, you go to? Yeah. So when you went down there, when you went back down there in '84, uh, what were you doing? Well, I went down there. Uh, honestly, I'm a musician, and I went down there to kind of, uh, you know, strike my fame. You know, strike strike uh, fame and fortune. Also, my dad was down there, and I was out of the army, and I just wanted to get out of Olympia. You know, it would it would have it was going there, staying in Olympia, and fine, imagine working, that, yeah, working at uh, you know Safeway or something like that, because <laughs> I had no more money for college. And uh, anyway, trying to figure out what I was going to do. My dad lived down there. I moved down there. Actually, did some acting too as well. Um, actually, auditioned uh, for some shows, fame, and some other stuff. But I uh, went down there, and my dad ended up getting a job in New York. I stayed, and I you know stayed there from uh, 84 to 98 so you're playing music and trying to do the hollywood thing yeah yeah and uh you must uh, what bands were you in well i was in a band called uh well up here called the blitz but there's a band down there called x15 no 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 thing nothing of great consequence um all but i the interesting thing is that what would actually turn me off was i i worked for a business management firm and and we basically were represented artists in the music business and i loved music but i was so much surrounded and immersed in the music business where I worked in my day gig that I really kind of got turned off on the business part and I started <laughs> to not really enjoy it. That sucks when that happens. And, and it's funny. So when I quit actually trying to make it, I actually started to enjoy playing music again and not thinking of it in terms of all okay, cats got to make it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, build a studio and, and, and did my own thing and did it for the love of it and the passion of it. So what clubs were you guys playing around down there? Well, there was a, there was uh gosh, the Roxbury. Um, there was a, a Viper room and a bunch of other little dive places. Ever play like the, the Palomino? Or no, I know the Palomino. Um, no, Hollywood did underground. Nah, I didn't, no? didn't, or the Starwood didn't, didn't do didn't that. Do no, no, I was, I got to a point to where I needed to, to work because because I said okay I can be a starving musician this isn't going anywhere <laughs> and I hate the business you know or I can it's hard to panhandle yeah, in Culver yeah. City yeah yeah <laughs> well you're and there's so much competition too I mean really seriously you go down to Santa Monica everybody that, that panhandles wants to be in LA because you know it's warm and yeah. and there's a lot of competition oh, yeah. and I didn't do very well you have to have a better sign than the next guy <laughs> yeah yeah, and, and there was guys that washed windows uh, better than I did on cars too. Oh, so I did not. Dude, do those that. guys at the stoplights don't yeah. they drive you nuts? Yeah, I just wasn't good enough. Um, <laughs> people didn't like my the quality of my work. So we I, do not I, have yeah. that here, and it's almost it's weird because I kind of miss that. It's a valuable service. Those guys Absolutely. come just running out of nowhere and just start yeah. s- squeegeeing your window, you know, and yeah. you're like you're hoping the the light turns green yeah. so you can take off before they start wrapping Imagine, on your window. Yeah. I never got used to it down there. <laughs> Imagine women in like bikini tops doing that. They yep. okay. This think. is the, now we're going in. A fantasy yeah. section we yes. are well, no i'm just thinking yeah. you think we, we when i see think take that situation trust me. hot chicks in bikinis trust me, just, i would have been much it? more willing to it hand was just a flash out. it was just a flash where i thought panhandlers you always just, see these you know and i would have been much more willing to hand cash out the window right if the if some hot chicks that were trying to become actresses were actually instead of the toothless guy who right. was that's to be what a vet, i'm saying i was just having a spark shuffles with his you know i was in a war with your father wasn't i i'm gonna go make some money this next week we could do a whole show just on LA <laughs> Absolutely. And we should you know we will we will so uh, so you're yeah. working in the music scene down there and then yeah. at some point you migrate to Seattle yeah I mean there was a point to where I I, I loved LA actually there was parts of LA I loved I love Venice I love the beach um, but I kind of got to a point um, where I just I always loved the Northwest I would come back here my brother um, is a very successful musician um, in a band truly with Mark Pickrell and Hiro Yamamoto mm-hmm. um, also worked with Jim Carroll um, 
and 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 is really you know well known. So I come up and see him. I remember him coming down to L.A. as well to play. But I just loved it up here, and I loved the scene. I loved the fact there was great music, but the music business wasn't here. At least, well, it was for maybe about a year. What ninety three? Yeah, <laughs> but um, short lived. I just loved the scene. I loved the scenery. You know, um, yeah, it rains a bit, but but man, when the weather's nice, it it it's, it's the most beautiful place on the earth. I love the people, and and I just love the scene here. Yeah. So now, when did you start uh, Seattle Music Insider? Well, com. Well, it's funny. I, I got into it kind of by accident because I was um, I'm a, I was still playing in bands, local cover bands here, and write my own stuff. But I was covering the Seattle Sounders, and I actually had a brand called Sounders Fan Insider, and I was actually covering soccer matches wow. and doing photos and interviewing players and all that because I love soccer, big passionate soccer fan. But um, I was doing that, and and I and it was fun to do it. But I felt what I was doing was very disposable. And that, you know, once the match was over and you did an interview with somebody, nobody cared because it's it's on to the next game. Right. And there was also so many people kind of doing the same thing, the same content. I wasn't offering anything new. So I thought, well, what if I take this multimedia um, philosophy, you know, photo, written, video, uh, audio content, encompass it and, and apply it to something that I'm really passionate about. And that's music. So it kind of I created Seattle Music Insider. And the concept was to use all the different media using social media and really having a comprehensive um, way to cover local artists um, and, and national artists as well, but mainly local artists that I think are doing great things. And in my website, seattlemusicinsider.com, it's, it's covering local music 360s, meaning nowadays it's not just about writing about it. I write for examiner.com, but you got to do audio content, video content. Um, all that stuff, and you guys are doing that, and that's how you have to attack it. That and that's an artist has to market themselves in this new world. So for me, that was really exciting, and uh, being a, and I love technology, and I'm a geek at heart. So I love to sit down. You know, I built my own website. I, I, I you know, I do my own photography. I do my own videography. I produce my own. Uh, He's a machine, shows. folks. Yeah, right. but man, it's I, I need some help. <laughs> I can't do it all by myself. So well, we'll talk about that in yeah, a moment. Yeah. Um, now, with uh, you, you, you cover the local scene, yes. which uh, and you're in Seattle, so I, it's probably more the Seattle scene. No, not necessarily. I've I've covered a lot of bands down here. Dudley Moore has been on uh, SMI Radio and Perry Acker, and and so to me, there are no boundaries. It's Seattle Music Insider, um, but that's where I live. That's where I reside. But to me, it's it's really about the region and beyond. Great music anywhere, or 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 artists that actually come into town to play shows or kind of launch their their careers here. So yeah, it's Seattle Music Insider. That's where I live. But it, it's all about the Northwest, man. Uh, so being out and about in the yep. scene, uh, give us some bands uh, from your take and your opinion of interviewing them, seeing yeah. them, so forth, that you feel are uh, quality acts on the rise um, that people should take note of. Well, one of them played your party on Friday, which, by the way, was a blast. Perry Acker. I, I think Perry Acker is very special. I got turned on to them last year by their bass player, who actually worked for the Seattle Sounders. It was his last day on the job. He was a cameraman for the Sounders. Gave me his CD and said, here's my new band. We're going down the road. I'm quitting my day job. Mm -hmm. Listen to it. I was blown away. Um, but anyway, that's. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm kind of mixing up. Cody Beebe and the Crooks was that band. Okay. Perry Acker. I was like, I don't remember yeah, Perry yeah, Acker. Let, let me, let me backtrack. I'm, I'm confusing you guys. <laughs> Two bands. Perry Acker, Cody Beebe and the Crooks. Right. Cody Beebe and the Crooks 
from my friend with the Sounders. Perry Acker, Sean Hensley told me about, and I went and checked him out at the Bite of Seattle, which I covered mm-hmm. uh, last year. And I went Friday Didn't night. Did you actually get on uh, Como Radio with that gig? Um, I did not. I got on Como Radio with Bumper Shoot when oh, I covered Bumper, Bumper Shoot. Bumper Shoot. Okay, yeah. But Perry Acker, I saw them, and and they were they they blew my mind. Uh, their music is is amazing. It's well crafted. The guitar tones, the melodies, um, and they're great guys. Um, so I, I actually played a few of their songs on one of my first uh, SMI radio shows, interviewed them. And so, yeah, Friday night, they were they were fantastic. I think they're going to do great things. I know they've done a couple songs with Don Was. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to be huge. And again, Cody Beebe and the Crooks are, are another band I think are going to do great things as well. Now, I know uh, you've interdu- uh, interviewed a lot of uh, mainstream Big names yes. like Daltrey, uh, Al Green, uh, you know, yeah. Blues Traveler, and uh, who do you Alan have? Alan White. <laughs> who do you have coming? And you were recently at uh, Sasquatch. Yes. And so, who did you talk to there? And who do you have coming up? Well, I talked to uh, Fitz from Fitz and the Tantrums, and they were in town back in October and played the Crocodile. Well, since then, they've been on Kimmel, they've been on Leno, they've been on uh, Conan. Their video is number twelve on VH1. They they went they played three hundred people at the Crocodile at Sasquatch. They played in front of about twelve to fifteen thousand. Not a bad gig. Not a bad gig at all. But they're working their butts off, and that's what you got to do today. You got to get out. It's not just the one gig. You got to maybe do two to three or four gigs within a twenty-four hour period. You're doing the record stores. The radio stations you're doing the, the small stuff so they're one of the hardest working bands but i got a great interview with fitz he's going to be on next time i covered synergy in northwest 2011 interviewed john popper and he is one of the funniest interviews and if you ever get him on here he, he is he could do stand-up comedy he, he's funny yeah john popper's hilarious yeah. because he i can't remember the name of the tv show but it was yeah it was a tv show about this struggling band who did day gigs as a kid's band did you mm-hmm. Did you ever watch that? No. It was it was no. on it was, I think it was on like VH1 or MTV or something. It was and Popper was their manager. And really? it was so funny. It was this it was this kind of Ramones type yeah. band in New York and they and they you know were trying to become big time and so they were had that going but it wow. wasn't going so well. So they would double up on day gigs and Are do you like sure these. You didn't just dream this. No, no, it's series. out there. I have to look it up. It's I'll like, look man, it up. I'm going to bed, man. The new series is coming out tonight. No, it's, it's, it was extremely, extremely. Yeah. And Popper was on that, and right. he was flipping hilarious. No, he's great. He and he's going to be on my next show along with Fitz and Fitz and the Tantrums nice. and, and some when, other when, folks. When are your show? When do the, is it a regular rotation? Well, that you I don't are? know, man. Um, we should talk about that afterwards. Uh, but no, typically I, I try to run one once a week. Yeah, and like uh, us. Yeah, so that's that's the that's the goal and the objective. Um, sometimes you know, sometimes I'm I'm a one man band. So now you also you know. uh, recently talked to uh, Vicky, Vicky, Vicky Martinez. Martinez. Absolutely, last um, last Wednesday night at Jazz Bones, I had a great interview with her. Um, it's going to be on the full interview will be on uh, this week, but I think I gave you guys a little snippet. We're going to give a little taste of it in just a couple of minutes. Here. Cool, yeah, great interview. Um, really cool person. She, you know, she was funny. I was talking to her. And she goes, "Well, should I go home and change right now?" <laughs> um, I can go home. And Sounds I go, like you know, Vicky. Vicky, um, I don't think once you pick up that guitar and start hitting a couple chords, nobody's going to care. So, no. but no, she's great. And she's uh, a sweetheart, isn't she? She's a sweetheart, and yeah, and she's we've talked you know, to her. She's blowing up, and 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 the the rest of the world is finding out what we've known for years for, yeah. yeah and and if they're because when we had her in here we asked her point blank have you mm-hmm. ever submitted a cd uh to a station have right. uh, no never have just kind of you know doing the gigs around here and would kind of tour around yeah. she was on Said star it, search before I, yeah too, right? she was on star yeah. search i asked her have you ever been on like the lilith fair or anything no not really and yeah 
And so it's it's about time people catch up to Vicky Martinez. Absolutely. She, we've known about her for a yeah. long time, and she has a big following. And here. she's got soul and heart and passion and, and that, that, that thing that you don't learn in music school. Right. Yeah. Well, we got to wrap this up here. Okay. We want to have you on, of course, more. But let's yep. let's let the people know there's a, there's a little partnership going on. I think so, man. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Um, SMI Radio and, and you guys uh, together. And I know we're working out some details, but I'm, I'm so excited to be part of what you're doing because I think what you guys are doing is fantastic. Um, you guys are evangelizing the great music in, in the region. Um, you've got a great product, a great brand. I'm, I'm proud to be associated with it. Well, we feel the same way about yep. Seattle Music Insider. Uh, it is uh, We are going to join forces, as Indeed. they say. And we're excited about that. We're excited about the, uh, the potential yes. uh, for things to come and to... Uh, become a, like a legitimate, forceful player in the Northwest region media. I think by yep. joining forces, we can cover more bases and we can, uh, you know, I think we'll be the come to people. And that's what we're looking forward to. And I, I listen to your interviews. I think they're very Thank insightful and, and thoughtful. And I, I know it's I, I find new things by listening to what the, the questions you ask the artist. I checked them out. Yeah, yeah it's very, very good stuff. You, you were at, a lot. Yeah, and you were at our gig. And um, I know you talked to me and mm -hmm. I had a great time with that and want to thank you for showing up. Bro, you're going to be on my next show too, man. <laughs> Great interview <laughs> well, with you. You're a good interview too. Who cares about that? <laughs> oh, I know. That'll be that'll be everybody click. Everybody clicks off at about the 40 minute mark. <laughs> the one thing I want to say about Seattle Music Insider, it's not about being inside the scene. What Seattle Music Insider is is really more about a lot of journalists cover artists from the outside looking in. I, I try to cover an artist from the inside looking out. I've been a musician. I've written songs. And, and really get up close and personal with them. And also, I think Seattle Music Insider is about the passion for music that we all have inside of us, which is why we do what we do, and that's why you do what you do. Absolutely. And, and yeah. that's what Seattle Music Insider really is. And I think that's why uh, by c coming together and uh, you know partnering up like this, it's going to be a really, really successful thing. It's going to be a good yeah. thing for the people of the region. And who knows where it's going to lead. So we'll we'll inform everybody yep. as we as we make the steps to yep. that. And Greg, it's been great to talk to you. And of course, we're going to be hearing a lot more from you. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to hearing more from you guys. You're doing great work. Keep it up. Thanks. Now, let's listen to a little bit of Greg's interview with Vicky. What was great about watching you perform. I know it's a competition, but you guys, um, the other individual who you were singing with, you guys look like we're doing it together. Even though you're competing, you guys look like you were really locked into each other. Did you feel that on stage? Totally. And her and I both felt that we were, we were both, I, I had much love and much respect for her. And it was the same for her. And so we both decided, okay, one of us has to go home. So let's just make a good song and make a good battle and make it good for the public. Like, yeah. don't, I'm, I was like, I'm not going to try to outdo you. Whatever, if you want to try to outdo me, whatever. But like, we got, we're both different styles, whatever. And and yeah. and I think we both did the same thing, where we, you know, we just decided that we're just gonna have a good song. You know, it's funny because I I never looked at music as a competition. Even Michael Fronte spearhead yeah. is like, music ain't no competition. Music ain't no repetition. Yeah. Um. You know, and and you know, you're an artist. So so is it kind of weird competing? 
because it's not a competitive thing. It's art. You know, you do what you do, and it's not about oh, I'm going to try to be better than this person or outdo this person. You just do your thing. It's it's to- that's totally right. I mean, you don't hear of anybody. You know, anybody that loves music loves what they love. They're not com- they're not even comparing two artists that they love. They just love their music. Right. You know, they're listening to it for a different mood, yeah. a different vibe that they're feeling. And and I felt like Nikki and I, we did like I told her like I don't. I'm not going to try to do some weird, like, tricks and, like, try to, like, you know, outdo you or whatever. Like, I'm just going to do it my style. You're going to do your style. And whoever, whatever CeeLo's in the mood for is what he's going to pick. Just like music every day. Like, you pick a song because you're in the mood for it. That's why you listen to it, you know. And, and so that's, that's how I felt like it was going to be chosen for either one of us. Yeah, I mean, I like both of you guys, and you both obviously were were putting on a performance. Personally, and I'm not just saying that because I'm sitting here. I liked what you did because I just kind of like that style. I did. I, I just. I thought there was some intangible thing that you did, not, and it's probably something you don't even think about because you're just doing what you do. And I think CeeLo locked into that. I think the audience did too. Yeah, um, I think I I. I, you know, they obviously interview us there at The Voice, and they were like, "What do you think you have over Nikki?" And I, and I just felt like I've, um, I've been playing a lot, and and so I felt like I had a lot of stage experience. But then when she like did her high note and just like, just dug from like, oh, I was just like, oh crap, but like, okay, I'm going home or something, you know, and. It ended up not being that, but yeah, I definitely knew that I was in for the for my money. So, as you heard, SMI, Seattle Music Insider, NWCZ, and NWCZ, Northwest Convergence Zone, going to do a little bit of collaborate, collaborative action. Yeah, I'm excited about it. You know, uh, when we got done, I was out there talking to Greg before he had to get out of here. He did want to apologize that about the Dudley Taft thing. He said Dudley Moore. It was actually Dudley Taft. We were going to cue in like you know some soundbite from <laughs> Dudley Moore, but we didn't get around. But it, it was there. <laughs> He's tired, man. He's had a busy, busy, busy weekend and uh, running on like uh, real low fumes. Uh, low fumes. It's all right. Uh, that's good though. But you know, Greg is a great guy, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to what we can accomplish as a as a unified uh, team. So hell yeah, uh, we'll be hearing a lot more from Greg. In fact, just sealed. Beginning on Thursday, this coming Thursday on NWCZ Radio from 6 till 7, Seattle Music Insider Show every week. Fantastic. Awesome. Every Thursday. And this week, his guest, well, one of them, Vicky Martinez. Awesome. Man. So, uh, we, in fact, you heard a little clip right there from that interview. And he's a great interviewer, man. That guy... Um, you know, not for nothing. He interviewed me at our, uh, I don't know why, yeah, but yeah, at the anniversary yeah. party. And he's, he's a great cat, man. Good, good you guy. You don't know why. I have no clue you, why. You don't somebody know that you inter- rock? No. Somebody interviews Everybody the groundskeeper every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. The yeah, guy I went that's, over there and kept dragging I'm, him away. I'm such a talking. rock star that when the party's over, I'm, I'm, I've got the push broom out and I'm sweeping up confetti. Look how much you do for local music, though. Come on. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, we all, all you guys, we, this is a team effort. We all do it. It's, it's not me. It's just, it's all of us together. And so that, that's what makes the Convergence Zone so special is that all you guys contribute and it's great. So, uh, it's that, Hey, it's about that time. We got to wrap this. (laughs) Can we have a hug? (laughs) It's time to wrap it up though, man. We're almost done. Uh, before we get out of here, we have a couple of announcements and Gemmer, I know you've got, uh, uh, an important one. 
Yeah, next Saturday, June 11th, from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., at Jersey Sports Bar in Federal Way is Pinups Against Cancer Car Wash. Bring uh, bring your car out. Um, or your bicycle. Get it washed. Motorcycle, semi-trailer, um, truck, Help support whatever. Pinups Against Cancer's fundraiser Tonka efforts <laughs> by coming to get your car washed. Pretty girls dressed up in pinup attire. Also, baked goods and handmade hair flowers for sale. What? So, and it's all so for a good So is this a donation? Uh, yeah. Like you come get your car washed and then you put your money in the bucket? Yeah. It's not like a price deal. And if you bring a cool car in. Yeah. Um, get your you picture know, taken with the y- girls? You uh, you know, make a little donation of whatever. Yeah. You know, I don't know what, it, I'm not, no manager here, but you know, you make, <laughs> and you know, you have some pinup gals suddenly, you know, Appear. appearing in a photo above your mantle with your badass car that's normally awesome. in your uh, That's very driveway. cool. Yeah. And it's all going for? Pinups Against Cancer. Cancer, yeah. So that's and a big next, deal. next Saturday, June 11th, um, at Jersey Sports Bar in Federal Way, 10 a.m. Okay. To and 5. Do, where, do you know where that is, where Jersey Sports Bar is? It's yeah, in Federal it's, it's Way, in Federal obviously. Way. 35509. 21st Avenue South. Perfect. My wife's going to be there, by the Um, way. She's one of the pinups against cancer. (laughs) Nice. She goes by the name of Marigold McGuire. Seriously? I'm very serious. Wow. I I love you, baby. Didn't know that. All right. So you're Mr. McGuire? (laughs) I guess I am. (laughs) Show me the money. (laughs) All right, everybody. This just in. There is a, a benefit that's going to be happening on Friday the 17th. The Lund Brothers, who are good friends of our show, we've had them on. Uh, they we also play their music on NWCZ Radio. Uh, Amy Irwin, who was a uh, elementary school teacher, killed by her husband in a murder suicide on Friday, May twenty seventh, leaves behind two kids, uh, a son and a daughter, eleven and nine, and so a tragic event. By you know, by any standards, obviously. Friday, June seventeenth, starting at nine at the New Frontier, they're hosting a benefit for them. Our and, favorite place. Uh, absolutely, I love the New Frontier, so I will definitely be at this. Um, all the proceeds from the door will be going to the children, and if the place gets packed, which we hope it does, everybody needs to come out for this. It should be. It needs to be. Yeah, uh, if the place gets packed, uh, New Frontier has uh, stated that they will be giving a portion of the the bar income to the kids as well so uh good job by the lund brothers yeah and uh everybody needs to get out i don't know if you know this story but she was an elementary school teacher and she was killed in enumclaw by her husband and uh, just a tragic tragic event and so uh let's make some good come out of this because these two kids that are left behind uh i can't imagine facing that road in life with uh, no parents and it's going to take a lot of love and a lot of support and probably counseling and who knows what. Yeah, but they've got a future, you know, I mean, they, they, they definitely have happen. and we can help and in people that. People can help them. We can yeah. be a part of that. So Lund brothers are putting that on again. That's at 9 PM on Friday the 17th at the new frontier lounge in Tacoma. Yeah. And, yeah. Then and also, uh, what was the date again on yours? Uh, next Saturday, June 11th. Yeah. So everybody, those are a couple of things you can help out on here in the South Sound. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, as always, we're the Northwest Conversion Zone. I'm Big D. I'm Voxy. I'm the Gimmer. I'm Double D. And this is the Northwest Conversion Zone. Where all things come together. Next week on the program, we have Aces Up, Charlie Henneman, and Matt Driscoll stopping by. Yeah. This is Aces Up and Backyard Superstar. See you next week. 
up a fight It's everything I got getting up on time I'm off to work In my blue-collared shirt And I'm just not sure how much longer I can play The price is too high, I'm not sure I wanna pay Money ain't good I do it cause I should Yeah, but tonight This has been a production of the Northwest Convergence Zone. Email us at nwconvergencezone at gmail.com.